Well, hello there. Welcome to another episode of Bitch Prince. Last week, I did not get an episode in, which is a-okay. Just a nice little reminder to everyone to be kind to yourself. And if there are certain things that are important to you but are still kind of a hobby or things you can't get to that you wanted to get done at a certain time, be nice to yourself. I got an episode done the week before last in a week that I was not feeling great and I was so proud. And then last week, even though I was better, it was still tough. It was just a really, really busy work week. So I didn't get to a podcast episode. Maybe none of you noticed quite yet. <laughs> and that's okay. But as a reminder, so more people start to notice, please review and rate Bitch Prince on Apple. And I think you can on Stitcher as well. We are on Apple, and we are on Stitcher, and we are on Spotify, but you can't rate on Spotify. So be sure to rate so that more and more people start listening and people actually, you know, notice when a week goes by and I couldn't get an episode in. (laughs) I received no complaints. What the hell? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But we're back, and we're on episode 10. Woo! Double digits. It feels good. It feels really good. And with the number 10, I figured we would need a really, really important topic to cover. Couldn't just be any other self-care in the workplace type of topic. So last week, we touched on self-care during the workday, how you can get your mind in the right place and really take care of yourself and make the work week part of your life in a positive way. Because we are in the office most days of the week. And so we do need our minds to be in the right place and for work to feel less like a dungeon or we're trapped for eight hours a day and make it feel more like part of our life. It's just a mental health thing that everybody needs. And it's a lot harder to do when you're sitting in a cubicle. At least that's my experience. When you have a job that's a little more hands-on or maybe is retail or something where you interact with the outside world with outside variables and people that aren't within your office or workplace it does make the day feel more like it's actually your life and when you're stuck in one building every day of the work week with the same people it starts to feel more like a dungeon and that you're just trapped in this gray world of beige and boring that you can't escape until a clock tells you you can, and you cannot see outside humans until the time arrives. Anyway, out of that depressing notion, one of the most important things when it comes to not just self-care, but the workplace is environment. I know that there are a lot of efforts, especially with startups and even corporate companies now really have been trying harder to physically change environments. We've seen open floor concepts and cooler looking cubicles that are still cubicles, but they look kind of cooler, so they're better. I don't know. But what we are also seeing is a lot of these corporate companies kind of taking from the startups, leaving what they don't like, taking what they do like, and workplaces are becoming a little bit better to be in, whether that is because the actual desk you're working at is a lot better or the whole entire building and space in and of itself. There's been a lot more attention to that kind of detail and not every single office building now is is just gray and beige and that's a corporate office building so that's really cool but 
we're not talking about physical space here. We are talking about the environment within you, which you work based on people and your day-to-day life. I have worked in some pretty toxic environments in my day, and I had a lot of trouble figuring out that they were toxic. Not because I hadn't been through toxic environments or trauma, because I definitely have, but when you enter the workplace, you kind of have this like blind trust, rose-colored glasses, if you will, and you don't think that you're going to need to put up walls or boundaries like you would when meeting a new person or entering a new group of friends because it's the workplace and you kind of have it in your head that these type of procedures and the way people act is already really kind of put in place by HR or just by some kind of company policy or mission. So it's very easy to enter blindly. I know with myself, even though I had a lot of work experience, it wasn't necessarily corporate and I had this mindset of having to succeed. When I graduated college, I honestly wish I would have taken the fucking summer off after college, but that's just hindsight's 2020. And back then, I just in my head was like, all right, I got to get a job. All these little spring breakers who are still went on spring break this year, even during all of the COVID stuff, I, I, I don't get it because I spent my spring break my senior year of college looking for jobs. So again, hindsight, wish I would have had a little bit more fun. But I just thought, okay, I've got to graduate college with a job or I'm not successful. And that is that was my mindset. And I did have kind of a sink or swim thing. There was no float for me. And looking back, there was a float, um, but I didn't see it back then. And a lot of people do graduate from schooling feeling that way as well, that there's not this float period. And there is. You are never really, really sink or swim. There's always a float. So I initially got into my first toxic workplace because of this, because I thought if I would quit or something, then I was a failure or I was being an entitled millennial. There's been so much toxicity just put on millennials that were entitled, which 0%, pretty much all of my friends are majorly in debt. Um, I'm one of my few friends that own a house and own a car. And these are, that is not because my friends don't work their ass off because they definitely do. And uh, let's see, what else? Millennials are also, as we've discussed in previous podcasts, not 19. I'm one of the younger ones. My brother, who is 25, is on the cusp of Gen Z and millennial. So there are millennials that are 35 years old. We are old now (laughs) and we've been in the workplace for a while. I digress. But when entering the workplace, I hope this will help people who are not only about to switch jobs and kind of gain a new insight and I'll eventually do an episode on finding a job, things like that to help people out. But whether you're looking for a new job, about to enter a new career path at a new company, or whether you're just graduating from college or you're going to maybe next semester, this is really for you. It is self-care to make sure that you find a healthy environment to work in. Let me me shout that out again for the people in the back. It is self-care and it is okay, not even okay. It is good for you to find a workplace with a healthy work environment. You do not have to work in a toxic environment. 
get it out of your head. Get it out of your head. Because if you get into a workplace and it is toxic, you are not failing or sinking if you need to leave. Not at all. And again, I learned that the hard way. So uh, <clears throat> spoiler alert, when I graduated college, I initially got a temp job because again, I just couldn't imagine myself not having some kind of career <laughs> at the moment. So I was working for a kind of technology sound system company, helping them with their event, yada, 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 until I found a job job. A job job. <laughs> when I found my next job, it was, I guess, technically a startup. It was pretty much one 1980s style muscle man douchebag who ran the whole thing. And half the people there were miserable and admitted to crying frequently and admitted to horrible things happening during their experience working there, and yet they still worked there. And in my head, I thought, no, I can do this. I can handle this. I'm a tough cookie, and I know I'm good at work. I'm good at what I do. I'm great with time management. I get shit done. Like, I've always had outstanding reviews from any job, any internship, what have you. So I was like, whatever, I got this. It can't be that bad. Well, it was that bad. It was really, really bad. It was a situation where, again, one dude ran the show, and if he didn't like things, he would spout that out not very nicely. There was a lot of high expectation with low rewards. For instance, you didn't even get PTO at all, not one day of PTO for a whole year, your whole first year of working there. Red flag! But I just, I didn't see that red flag. I thought, this is what I have to do to get a job. I'm not an entitled millennial. I want to work hard, and this is what I have to do. I wish someone would have hugged me and told me, no, that's not right. <laughs> you don't need to be doing that. That is weird and toxic. If you did need to miss a day, even if it was for medical, you'd have to make up the hours you don't have to make up hours at a job. That doesn't even make sense. I was like salary as well. And so that just literally makes no sense. So red flag number one. Long story short, I got hired with one other girl. She immediately recognized how toxic it was and quit after like two weeks. And I just still had it in my head. I can't quit. I can't do this. And so I stayed there for three damn months. I cried so many times. I can't tell you. I was working so hard and it was never good enough. And instead of it being like, hey, that's not what I want. We'll try this. It was just always like, you're not good enough. And it was a huge put down pretty much on the daily. A lot of fear of being able to ask questions. It was one of those kind of gaslighty situations of come to me if you need anything. But then if you came to the boss, it was, well, why don't you understand that? Oh. Okay, I'm just going to go grab a tissue now and cry in the corner. <laughs> I usually get along with authority. I think that's kind of a rare bird thing, and so I was very confused why it wasn't working. So she left my other partner after two weeks. I stayed for three months until I was just so miserable it was obvious and totally got fired. Fired, guys. My first real, real job after college I got fired. I was in such a low place. I had never had a bad remark from someone I worked with, let alone been fired. And I had 
literally worked my mental health to the bone and done everything I could. So it was it was very hard and I felt like a failure and it took me a while to realize it wasn't me. Actually, I shouldn't even say a while. It took me less than a month. It really didn't. It took me like less than a month to be like, you know what? I'm so glad that happened because I had not only rose-colored glasses, but I had been tricked into thinking that I had to accept the workplace. This was just how it was. And it's not. (laughs) It was not. And part of that is chalked up to inexperience. So I say to you, when you enter a workplace, especially if it's your first one and you're not as experienced in corporate land, don't be entitled. You are there to work your ass off and prove yourself. Even if you are a career person and you're showing up to your new job, I don't care if you have 10 to 20 years under your belt, you still are expected to kind of prove yourself, especially, you know, in that first chunk of like six months, maybe even a year, but for sure six months. Be on your toes. But it's proving that you're a hard worker, not surviving conditions that upset you on the daily. It should still be a positive environment. So everyone who's been fired, raise your hand in the air while you're listening. It's freaking okay, guys. I've been fired too. Oprah was fired. Flippity flopping happens. So when we're thinking of a toxic workplace, how we, I don't want to say deal with it, but recognize it and to not be that person. Because it can also be easy to get those habits. I know I've been, you know, shorter with certain people than others, mainly because of the stress I was under, but like still wasn't okay. There's still not an excuse. So we are going to spill the tea of it today and continue to talk about some toxic situations that I've been in, including the one I just shared, and ones that you definitely shouldn't accept. So everyone, get your tea cup, because we spill it. There is a really popular company uh, called Rising Tide Society, and I've written a blog post for them before as well, if you want to look that up. And they have this awesome saying that says, community over competition community over competition. And that is probably one of the biggest things to start off with when recognizing a toxic environment, especially as a woman. And that's just, this is just a fact. If you enter a workplace, whether you're working with men, women, both, other, whatever, you need to make sure that the environment you're in is supportive of community efforts, not that everyone on your team is competing with each other. Obviously, if you're in sales, you're all trying to reach a commission and yada yada. That's not what I mean. I mean jealousy. Jealousy turning saints into the sheep. Okay, anyway. Jealousy in the workplace when it is either your boss or someone you work alongside that doesn't seem to support you but almost seems like they're in competition with you. This is obviously a little bit more, uh, occurs a little bit more if you do have a role where multiple people have the same role and that gets real tricky. But especially in those situations and especially with your boss, if there's is this jealousy aspect where your boss or your peers are trying to compete with you instead of build a community together and reach a solution truly together, that is 
a start of a very toxic relationship in the workplace. That is a red fucking flag. I have definitely had bad experiences with a competitive boss and it was a woman which made me very sad because I am huge on supporting women in the workplace. It is very important to me as a woman in the workplace and obviously since I have Bitch Prince as my podcast which is literally self-care for career women. Having a competitive boss is really, really tough. And it's just as tough if they're your peer and have the same role as you. If you are sensing this competition, it might not show up as obvious as you think. It might show up as you make suggestions and they immediately shoot them down, that they steal your suggestions, that they ask you to do things like fall on your sword. Do not fall on your sword for anything. Do not fluff anybody's ego. If you get these certain kind of toxic traits and and sayings, this is a sign of them asking you to like literally bend over and take it. And that is not how a workplace should be no matter how high of a person you're having a meeting with. Competition might also show up as when you do express, when someone says, hey, I'm your boss, I want your goals, I want to know your goals for your career, I want to help you, and you give them your goals, and, and they either A, say, great idea, and never do anything with it, or B, which these both have happened to me, they immediately say, yeah, okay, that's a good idea, but how about we just like think of a different way, and they immediately not put it on you like, hey, let's build your career in a different way, they put it on you like, well, you could do better at something else. So why don't we try to do this? Why don't you just try to do this weird solution instead of what you think might actually work? Because actually, I think it's you, not our processes. It is positive to be innovative. And if you have a boss that doesn't respond well to your innovative ideas they don't have to do them or take them but if they don't respond well and try to at least build up on one or two of them that is toxic especially if it is a review and they're asking you for these things if any boss asks you for your opinions or for your goals or tasks that you think are innovative or projects that you think could better help, if you're coming with positive and innovative ideas and you immediately get shut down and the shutdown is very negative, like I don't think you're ready for that or I don't know if that's really a great idea on your part, then they don't really want to be hearing these things and it is a toxic environment that it's it's a wolf in sheep's clothing. It's your actions speak louder than your words. I know that for me even, I learned this really quick when I did have a competitive boss that I was dealing with. And when I left the position, I did have a meeting even, we're spilling the tea, with their boss. And I knew how it all worked by then. So when I got asked very personal questions about my experience with my boss from her boss, I didn't say anything negative because I knew that I was not being genuinely asked. I was being asked for negative reasons. And coincidentally, the next time they had a meeting together, I was 100% coincidentally in the meeting room over. They were on speakerphone 
and they were 100% divulging exactly what I had said to my boss's boss. So good thing I didn't say anything bad uh, because that entire meeting wasn't really to get my feedback on my role or my position or the team. It wasn't really to make sure I was happy or have them, you know, think of ways that they could improve. It was just so that they could, you know, gather all the tea in their teapot and spill it out to each other. So that was kind of the nail on the head that was hitting the nail on the head that I was making the right decision um, leaving that role. But in general, having someone that is toxic in the workplace because of competitive reasons might also show up outside of work functions. For instance, when I went on a conference trip with this boss, I had just gotten married. And it was obviously a very stressful time because there was a lot of planning and I was doing it on myself because I'm a hostess. And I had a year in advance scheduled all this out, let them know I'm getting married, I'm going to take a lot of PTO. A year in advance. So we get to that point. I'm asked to work late for not a 100% clear reason. There was not any kind of deadline or anything like that. It was, hey, I need you to work extra to make me look good. So I did, and I bit my tongue and did it. So the week of my wedding, I worked late three nights until like eight o'clock to get extra work done that didn't need to get done yet at all because other team members were behind to make my boss look good. My boss scheduled a vacation the same week as my honeymoon, even though I had planned mine a week in advance. So she wanted things to get done before we both left on vacation, which is obviously not supportive. And we immediately had a conference after. I had asked off a two PTO days that week because uh, I was having my bachelorette the Thursday and she almost didn't even give me the Thursday off before my wedding even though I had been working till eight o'clock for not an actual definitive reason that whole week. It was very stressful and then I went immediately from my honeymoon to this conference and at one point we're sitting having drinks with a couple other people and she made the comment of Oh, I'm so glad this wedding stuff is over. She's single. That cannot be a coincidence. <laughs> and I didn't know what to do. I responded how I responded back then to inappropriate comments in the workplace as I was silent because you sit there and you think, oh my God, did they, did they really just say that? And by the time you process it, you can't have a comeback or say anything like, oh, that was a little inappropriate or, oh, wow, thank you so much. That made me feel not great. You can't even think of an appropriate response because it's gone by the time you realize that was real. So if you see competitive comments like that show up, even outside of the workplace from this person, keep an eye on that. That is a red flag. She made a lot of jokes all the time too. And here's the bottom line. We shouldn't be talking nasty to each other, even if we're joking in the workplace. The bottom line is, is especially with women, we, we don't need to be nasty to each other, even in a joking way. We need to support each other. There, there are enough situations where women are put in that we feel uncomfortable. We don't need to be putting each other in these uncomfortable situations. We already deal with sexual or inappropriate comments, unequal pay, carving our way in business because the path isn't even remotely made for us in most cases. 
We should be supporting each other, not letting each other down. My final tea on this boss was at a huge, I shouldn't say huge, a conference that we kind of had within the team. And we were going out after like every single day. Again, it was, you know, a few months till my wedding before that. So I was trying to wake up early to work out every morning because, bitch, I want to look good for my wedding. And I did. (laughs) But there was one scenario where we had dinner and then we went bowling and we had drinks. I took the shots, yada, yada. And I decided at 12 a.m. it was time to go home. And after this full conference, I had given a presentation. I had done all these things that were like really awesome for this brand new, like all team meeting. And I didn't get any positive feedback. The only feedback I got was, well, we went out after 12 o'clock and you really should have gone out because that really is what makes the difference in how far you're going to get. First of all, If you are ever pressured to drink alcohol and it is not something you prefer to do or you're sober and that is something that is pressured on you, that is not okay and that is a toxic team in a toxic environment. I do like alcohol. It was fine with me, but it wasn't with others and I didn't go home after dinner. I went home at 12 o'clock in the morning and I woke up at 6 a.m. I wanted sleep and I said, very blatantly. It was the one time that I remember sticking up for myself. And I said, I do not regret going home because I have my own personal goals and I wanted to be able to wake up and work out and then be fully awake and present to give my best to the room at the meetings. And I did not think that staying out past midnight is what should show how passionate I am. My work should show that. My hard work. And that was the one time I did stick up for myself. So Make sure with these kind of competitive people that they aren't putting toxic pressure on you like, oh, you should have done this or you should have done that or I did this. That is not how it works. It is not. Your work should show how hard of a worker you are. And if it gets kind of beyond that, yeah, I mean, obviously you go to dinner, you schmooze. I like going to have a couple drinks after dinner. I like the schmoozing part. But if it gets to a point where it's crossing a line, and that person is kind of giving you shit for not being the coolest person in the room. Um, I'm not trying to be the coolest person in the room. I'm trying to network and be personal, but I'm not trying to twerk at 1 a.m. with my coworkers. That's not my style. And that is a-okay. <laughs> so if you ever start getting, if you're ever being compared, as in that literal person who's in competition with you is comparing to you, It's toxic. You need to step away. And again, women need to be supporting women in the workplace. So that is most of my tea that I have to spill. Woof! Brush that sweat off my forehead. Another form of kind of competition in a way that you might see can come with friends. And I did have way back in the day a friend that or a so-called friend that kind of did this. And when it comes to supporting women and your friends that have businesses, first of all, do not lowball them on prices. This is their job. They don't owe you any favors. And I'm very firm on that. And I know so many of my friends who have been lowballed or their friends and family have asked, oh, well, would you just do this for me for free? No, it's their job. Like, it is their livelihood. 
it's never been something I've experienced because I'm not freelance, but I have seen it hurt people time and time again. And it's not right. And it is toxic. But another way that you can see toxicity in the workplace from the actual worker's point of view, not from, you know, the person doing the hiring, is when they think that because you have a relationship with them that you should choose them. When it comes to big events, whether it is your wedding or some kind of graduation or party or birthday, anything, none of your friends should put pressure on you to hire them. If you do want to hire them, hell yeah, support your friends, hire them, don't lowball them, give them the full price. (laughs) But if you don't want to hire a friend because you have a different vision in mind, you're allowed to do that. It's your event and you don't need to be doing favors for people. And when I did get married, we had a couple that we were sort of friends with and eventually lost touch because I would text her and she would ignore me. And I called her and left her a voicemail asking, hey, is everything okay? Never heard from her again. Finally found out, oh, we thought we were done with the tea. We're not. That from her husband that... She was mad at me because we didn't hire her as the photographer for our wedding, which was very surprising to me because we have hired her for other things. It's not like we had never hired her. And she's a great, she was a great photographer, but it wasn't my style. And I had found a photographer when I was in high school who was my age that did all this conceptual photography that I had been obsessed with. And at that time was so close to me because she lived in Michigan and I was in Indiana. And I just always knew I had to have her. And I did get her. Yay! And our pictures were freaking perfect. But this girl, not only did she not approach me about this and just ghosted me as a friend, which was very odd, but again, she expected me to hire her. And if I wasn't going to hire her, she felt I owed her like a discussion and an explanation. It's my wedding. I didn't owe anybody anything. And that was a very narcissistic thing for her to do, (laughs) which she is kind of a narcissist. Anyway, but to finish off that tea, one more sip. If you do have a friend that expects you to use them as some kind of creative service or any kind of service and will hate you if you don't use them, that is also toxic competition. You should, you know, maybe be competitors if you're like in the same industry and then you got to like have healthy competition. But if you're just friends and someone's mad because you're not using, it's just not, it's not acceptable. Friends don't not pay or lowball friends. And friends also don't say, hey, if you don't use my business, I'm going to not like you anymore. Very strange. And that's just kind of one example I have for anyone that's in more of the creative workspace instead of corporate land. So let's let's play a game, folks. <clears throat> we've talked a lot. We've spilled a lot of tea. I am for sure hydrated. Let's talk about what we can accept and not accept in the workplace, whether it's corporate or creative. So what are some signs, first of all, that it's not your imagination, it's a toxic workplace? First off, crying weekly in the bathrooms. Everyone has moments where work is really stressful and we're busy and we tear up. But if you're crying weekly in the bathrooms and it's not just because you're busy, that's a sign. If you are repeatedly asking yourself in your own head if the remark you heard was an appropriate remark, that is a toxic workplace, folks. It is not your imagination. 
I'm fortunate that even though I had one boss that was awful when I first started out that I should have quit before I got fired, and even though I had another boss that was sadly a very competitive, toxic woman, I have never had a sexual remark put on me by someone that I worked with. The only sexual remark I ever got was at an event and there was a guest speaker and I asked the guest speaker to pose with a bunch of people that I worked with and then I said, awesome job or something like that. And he said, oh, when's the last time a pretty young lady said that to you? Not a good time, but I just let it slide. I could tell that my male coworkers were very, thought it was very awkward. I have never had sexual remarks at work and that is really, really fortunate. But even if it's not sexual, even if it is more of the toxic competition that I discussed earlier, if you're asking yourself often in your head if that was an appropriate remark to say from your coworker or your boss, yeah, chances are it's not your imagination, it's toxic. If you are having a huge lack of clarity about what your job involves or what tasks you're supposed to do or what a task is that has been assigned to you and you are nervous to ask about it or if you know that you would get some kind of negative response if you asked for clarification, yeah, then it's toxic. In general, if you feel any fear approaching your boss or other teammates, that's toxic. (laughs) You shouldn't be fearful to email someone. Yes, of course, when it's a C-suite, you know, exec level, you may be a little nervous and check your email over 10 times for spelling errors. (laughs) But if you are genuinely afraid because you think you are going to get a negative, angry, bad reaction from your coworker or your boss, or if you think you're going to get kind of a reaction I talked about before where you have an innovative or positive idea and you think that they are just immediately going to tip your their nose in the air at you and be like, no, we're not doing that. That's stupid. And no, you're not doing that. That is toxic. If you can't confidently say that your boss has your back, that is not your imagination. That is a toxic workplace. You should feel that your boss and vice versa has your back, that no one's going to throw you under the bus, ask you to fluff someone's ego, ask you to fall on your sword, or in a meeting say, oh no, that wasn't me, that was so-and-so's fault. You should have your boss's back and they should have yours. And finally, if you have someone on your team that repeatedly sends emails that sounds like the Peter Griffin with his fake nails meme, clickety-clacking away, as per my last email, that's toxic. Of course, we all kind of do it once in a while because people can be frustrating, but if it's a regular occurrence that you receive an email from someone and you're immediately like, oh shit, someone just emailed me, I do not want to read this, it's going to be awful, Mm, toxic, most likely toxic. And I'm not referring to emails where you're just like, oh shit, I'm going to have to do something. (laughs) I mean that you feel like you're about to open this email and someone's going to be screaming at you for no good reason or demanding things that are not important or urgent and they're, especially if they're not even your boss, and putting things on your plate where they have no power to do so and it's inappropriate. That is a toxic person and toxic email behavior. I know online there's been a lot of talk lately about how how companies treated COVID will really show how much they care for employees. 
And I totally agree with that. I really do think a great interview question is, how did you handle COVID? Because the bottom line is, is that so many jobs don't need to be done in an office and there should be a work-life balance. I talked before about in another episode how any kind of company that is totally against working from home doesn't make sense. That just means, I'm sorry, you have poor management if you don't trust your managers to manage their people. Because if I'm not doing my work, you'll be able to notice that whether I'm at home or in a cubicle, bottom line. So it really is important for us to take COVID and build a new workplace and kind of use it as kind of a pH test of where we want to go from here. And of course, it's on millennial shoulders. And of course, we're going to get feedback that, oh, you want to be innovative? You want to change? Nah, you're just entitled and lazy. No, there's just a better way to do things in a way that we can all be happier. So keep fighting for it, guys and gals. But also, it's not just about COVID. Things like COVID hopefully will spark change because it forces us to, because it changes our society and environments. But bottom line is there are signs in the workplace, pre and post COVID, that we need to be aware of. So now that you've heard a little bit about my experiences that I am truly sharing so I can provide empathy, not to slam on people or else I would have like name dropped them and risked defamation. (laughs) But I really want to share things because it is so hard even coming from me who I do think of myself as a strong, independent woman who's always been very career focused, who has dealt with trauma and thought I would be able to recognize toxicity better in the workplace and still took me years. And good workplaces. I had good workplaces in between my two toxic experiences and I still wasn't able to stick up for myself right. So I'm just giving these examples, these firsthand real life examples so that hopefully you can better identify what is okay and what is not okay so that you can react better to support your own mental health and your own career moving forward. But bottom line, we need to always be asking these questions. So now that we have really fully talked about all these different ways and signs that it is kind of a toxic workplace or environment, it's time to play a game, folks. And this game is going to quiz you on everything we've been talking about so far to help you out in your work environment, whether you are getting a job right out of college or whether you even have a decade or two under your belt, it's still helpful to get a reminder. So we're going to play, is is it, it toxic? On this episode of Is It Toxic?, we're going to talk about the workplace with special host Mallory from Bitch Prince. Oh, hello, hello, oh, hello. <clears throat> All right. Scenario one. You are working on a project and you aren't sure about what someone said in a meeting. You thought you took good notes, but you are missing one piece and you want to make sure you do it correctly. But if you don't get this one piece of information, you can't do the job. But you should have written this down. Shit. You're really, really afraid to go into your boss's office to ask them a question. All right, survey says, is it toxic? Yes, yes, it's toxic. You should not be afraid to ask questions, not only within your team, 
but especially with your boss. It should honestly be positive that you ask questions. It should be taken as a good thing that you care about your job, that you want to get everything right. It doesn't mean like you weren't listening or you didn't take good notes. It just means that we're human and we miss things sometimes. And if you need clarification, that should be seen as positive that you are reaching out for that so that you can provide the most perfect outcome. Questions are positive and you should always have a safe place to ask those questions. All right, next one, ladies. If you are asked after an event or a dinner or something like that by your boss to go out to an event where there will be alcohol, there will be drinking, you don't have to drink. Um, but they say, hey, it's an after hours event. It's after dinner. So, you know, we're talking eight, nine o'clock. But I would really appreciate if you would just stop by and schmooze a little. Is it toxic? No, that is not toxic. Your boss is, of course, allowed to ask you to come to certain networking events, to schmooze. Maybe you're promoting a product, trying to get sales, just trying to learn about people and make those connections in person, not just on LinkedIn. Your boss is allowed to ask you to go to certain events. What is toxic is when they're asking you to stay out past a normal bedtime if you leave at, you know, even 10 or 11 that they would be angry with you. That's where it gets toxic. Or if you went to a drinking event and you schmoozed but you didn't drink, if they would be mad that you didn't take shots with the group. That is toxic because no one should have to say, hey, I am uncomfortable drinking, or no one should even have to announce that they're an alcoholic if they don't want to. And if you're put in that situation where you are a recovering alcoholic or addict and you don't drink, you shouldn't have to admit something that you don't want to expose about your personal life if you don't want to. If you ever feel like personal details in your life are being threatened of being exposed and that's a boundary you want to keep up, then it is toxic because you should never fear that you are going to have to let those details out if you don't want to. I think sharing sobriety is really positive, but some people might be more private about it. So good is going to events to network and schmooze with your boss. Bad is when it gets into an alcohol situation where if you don't drink, you're not the cool kid at the party. And if you don't stay out till 1 a.m., you're not the cool kid at the party. I'm not in college. I don't need to be the cool kid at the party. <laughs> I want to network professionally, not on the dance floor. Okie dokie, next question. If your boss makes a joke, even if it's not sexual, but it makes you feel uncomfortable, even if it's calling you a name that might seem funny to them and they're not trying to completely jab you, they're not calling you a bitch, but it's still something that is a nickname towards how they negatively feel towards something that you did. Is it toxic? Yes. Yes, it is toxic. You can definitely talk to them about it and try to get past it and say, hey, that wasn't appropriate. Obviously, if their response is when you do come to them with that, if their response is immediately defensive and is like, oh, well, pff, I was just joking. You should have gotten the joke. Then we can double down on the toxicity there. 
if you come to them and they genuinely like, hey, I'm sorry, I was probably being way too stupid, I apologize, then it's not toxic. It, you know, everyone is still a human in the workplace. And if it's not really harming you physically or it's not sexual or something like that, then people do make mistakes. And if they apologize, you know, we forgive. But if they are repeat offenders or if when you approach them about the subject, they immediately deflect it and act like it's just you being a baby, yeah, bish, that's toxic. Walk right out. Well, don't walk right out. I mean, you know, get a new job first. You know what I mean. All right, question number whatever we're on of is it toxic? If you come to your boss or another teammate, but most likely your boss, with a concern, whether it be a person and how they're working or their actions or their work ethic, or with a process that isn't really working and isn't really setting you up to perform your best and you want to perform your best. So you want your boss's help to either improve how some other person is reacting or help you improve a certain process. And your boss's reaction is immediately to think of how you and solely you can solve this problem, that they don't really want to step in, but they think of something, even if it's not really the best answer, they think of a way that, well, maybe you could just do this. Why don't you just try this? Is this toxic? The answer is yes, it can be toxic. If you said no, you're not totally wrong. But this is a really fine line. When you come to your boss, you should feel safe to express concerns, whether it's about another employee or about a process. So for instance, if a relationship with another employee, the email's going back and forth, it's not really working and your relationship with them seems to be getting strained and you come to your boss asking for help. Or if there is a process in place that isn't really working either, that it's there, but you aren't getting the information you need or people who are supposed to follow up with you aren't. And so you want to try to improve this because you've exhausted your resources and either a relationship's not working or people aren't following through that are supposed to. And if your boss's only solution is to one, not have your back and two, only think of ways that you, you, you could solve it. Chances are it's probably a pretty stupid you, you, you situation. Then that is toxic. Your boss should not only help you through these things, but help you work through it with the other people, whether it's the other person you're communicating with, the other people you're working on a project with, because you already have relationships and processes in place in your team. And if they aren't working, it's not on one person's shoulders to fix that, especially if it's that one person who's doing the work. If you can't get follow-up or feedback from certain people because they're just completely ignoring you or ghosting you or just not following the processes, it's not your job to solely on your own try again and again and again or just completely bend over backwards to get them to appeal to these processes. You're all a team and you should all be working together. And if your boss doesn't act as this liaison to get the other people to work with you properly and it's all you giving, that is toxic. They should be the liaison to help you improve relationships and improve processes when you are sitting there asking to make it better. 
they should be thankful that you do want to make it better because that shows that you care. All right, final question on is it toxic? You've got a big meeting coming up with one of the higher level C-suite execs, so you got to be on your toes. You're making a PowerPoint presentation, you got it all ready, and you meet with your boss and maybe even her boss to discuss it so that you can all feel like we're really in this together to be able to present to this high level person. So while you give this presentation to them, showing them what you're going to do, it really is a presentation on different solutions you have towards a product or a problem. But basically, we're, we're providing solutions to the C-suite exec. Suggestions, you might say. Your boss's boss and your boss both look at it and you're like, yeah, no, they did good. But just to let you know, this is when we run this meeting, this is how the meeting should be run. And make sure that if they don't get it, you know, to kind of like fluff their ego a little bit, you know, if they give an idea, a counter idea, then make sure to kind of fluff their ego so that they feel like, you know, they gave a, a good idea to you, even if it's not something we're going to use. And, you know, if they really hate your idea and they down it, like just fall on your sword about it. Like we'll just talk about it after the meeting. So if they give a dumb idea, fluff their ego. If they hate your idea, just, you know, fall on your sword about the situation. We'll all meet after and like really decide what we want to do. So is it toxic? Hell fucking yeah, that's toxic. <laughs> First off, any scenario that is really micromanagey, such as if they tell you how to hold a meeting, mm -mm, no, very toxic. If you are hired as a professional, you should already know how to hold a meeting. And if they start getting so micromanagey that they don't think you even know how to do your own job or do basic workplace things like hold a meeting, run away. It's toxic. People should treat you like a competent adult, not an incompetent child. You are a professional, especially if it's not entry level, even if it is entry level, but especially if it's not entry level, you don't want to, you know, we always are growing and learning, but if it's not a genuine learning experience, it's a micromanagey, I'm treating you like a kid in a classroom. No, it's toxic. And then furthermore, anytime you ever have a boss that asks you to fluff someone's ego, what is it, the 1950s? Or if they ask you to fall on your sword about something, no. I always tell people I manage, don't fall on your sword. Yeah, you need to own up if you made a mistake, but you don't need to sit there and grovel and apologize like you just fucking killed a puppy. Your team should also have your back and be like, hey, we all mess up sometimes. Don't fall on your sword. I probably did this wrong too. So it probably wasn't even all you, even if it was all you. <laughs> your team should support you and not want you to feel like you are being crucified. So that is definitely toxic. And that concludes our game show of Is It Toxic? How'd you do? What'd you score? <laughs> So I hope this has helped you no matter where you're at in your career, because how can we provide self-care to ourselves when our days are muddled and muddied with toxic environment around us? You pretty much can't, and you deserve to be happy at work and to be happy with the people you work with. No one needs to be working in a toxic environment, even if it's your first job out of college or first job out of high school and you haven't gone to college yet. No one deserves to feel like crap in a toxic environment. 
quit the job, find a new job. This is me giving you approval and validating that you can quit that fucking job and find a new job. That is not normal and it is not how the workplace is supposed to be. Finally, to conclude us today, I would like to give my weekly shout out to a dear past boss that I haven't talked to in so, so long. I won't I'll say her first name. Well, everyone's going to know she is from her first name, but whatever. Her name was Mariska. She was my second boss at a startup company. My first boss was great too, but uh, he, it's a he, and we're talking about women. So (laughs) it was the company I went to after my horrible situation where I was fired and it was terrible and uh, I was a mess. And this company, I was there for only two years, maybe a little under, you know, it was a startup and all. But I had two great bosses and I would just want to give a shout out if for some reason she listens one day to my past boss, Mariska. She was not only just a wonderful human being, I mean, she's just so smart, so hardworking, so kind and empathetic and generous. She really was kind of the very young mom of the company and she's just awesome. But she really helped me grow in my patience and, and in a positive way. When I was younger and fired up, she didn't try to put me down. She would try to work with me and I could emulate her because she was just so patient and hardworking. So I just want to give a shout out to her because she is one of the people that I have worked with and who was eventually was my boss because she got promoted and rightfully so that was a positive woman-to-woman experience. There was no competition and there was no hate. I don't even think that woman has ever said a harmful word to anybody, Um, but she wasn't someone that was walked all over either. Not that type of personality. She just was just well-rounded as an individual. So shout out to her, Mariska, one of my best bosses ever. And with that, guys, again, if you're in a toxic environment, Get some of that hashtag fuck off energy in your system because it's 2020, we're freaking dealing with COVID and we're not going to be in toxic environments anymore because we're already living an environment with literal disease and your coworkers and your boss and your work environment shouldn't also be a disease. So fuck off energy, people, hashtag fuck off energy. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, corrections, ideas for episodes, please DM me on Instagram. It's at Mallory.Blaine at M-A-L-L-O-R-Y dot B-L-A-Y-N-E. And with that, thank you for joining me for our 10th episode of Bitch Prince. Until next week, make sure you work hard, keep it non-toxic, and leave your mark.